0: Hi, I'm David Goforth, pastor of Grace Baptist Church. So glad that you're taking the time to listen to this podcast. And I want to let you know we're here to help you. If you have any questions, please visit our website, gbcwc.org. And contact us. We'd love to help. Amen. Thank you, gentlemen. Take your Bibles, if you would, open them to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. I know that we have covered this recently, but we're covering it again because of what we're studying on Sunday nights, how to diagnose your spiritual health, how to take a a quick check of your spiritual health. Now, there are a number of things that you could do, and this is not the only thing that I do, uh, but sometimes we simply need to have the tools to be able to inventory and say, okay, what is it that we need? Uh, How can we recognize if we are growing, if something is happening, if the Lord is working in our life, and we're... uh, studying a passage that we're very, very familiar with. But there's, there's other ways to do. Sometimes, every one of us, there's going to be certain areas of this spiritual walk that we're going to be more prone to enjoy and therefore be more prone to be involved in. Um, some folks, uh, we talked about the importance of fellowship. Some of you really know how to fellowship. You, you got that fellowship in down. You, you know um, and you feel burdened to be with folks and to check on folks and to be around. But there's other folks who kind of struggle with that fellowship. Uh, Maybe we blame it on awkwardness or whatever else, or maybe it's because of our our demeanor or our quietness or whatnot, and so we we don't work uh, so much on the fellowship side. Um, uh, Maybe some of us on discipleship, and that's an area that we, as a church, we're trying to strengthen, where we are actively trying to train and instruct and teach and encourage others. Where we are, we are not just ourselves being discipled, but we ourselves are also discipling somebody else. And that's something that some folks uh, enjoy and they jump into and they kind of maybe shy away from some other parts. So there's, there's fellowship, there's discipleship, there's worship. It's important to worship, not just to go to church. There's such a difference between going to church and worshiping. Uh, People who are involved in religion go to church, but Christians, the fellowship of of the redeemed, they are the one group of folks that have the privilege of worshiping. But worshiping should be something that grows beyond just what you uh, begin to do here uh, as we come together to worship. There's, There's fellowship, there's discipleship, there's worship, there's evangelism evangelism is, is an area that many many christians tend to leave to other folks but that's a, that's an area and then there's the area of, of serving where you're actually using your spiritual gift to minister grace to the rest of the body of christ whether it is whatever one of those spiritual gifts which uh, brings up some uh, some different things and some different opportunities that we're going to have uh, to study because listen It's important to realize that God has before ordained, we're all familiar with Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And we're familiar with 2, 8, and 9, but verse 10 is just as important because it says, because God has a plan for you that he has already laid out for you to accomplish. He saved you to do something. And a lot of Christians have the false idea that God calls pastors and missionaries and full-time servants and the rest of us we get to do what we want. God calls all of us to do a job and he, he equips us for that job. And so that, that is so, so important. But one of the things that, that is just absolutely true about a Christian who is growing in the Lord is that they are consistently becoming more like Christ, primarily in the area that we talked a little bit about today, which is why it fits so well with what we're talking about tonight, is being more loving, more loving, How many of you have ever been accused of being too loving? I don't see any hands. That's usually my problem. This is, Pastor, you're you're too loving. I'm hurt that you're laughing. (laughs) But this is an area where absolutely we should be growing. Now, there's some basic steps how to grow in love. What we did this morning is very, very important. You see, we we are not supposed to go out and produce our own love to try to love other people. We are simply supposed to be conduits for the love of Christ. And the more that we bask in the warmth and the glow and the glory and the joy that is God's love for us, the more we are able to spend and share and pass that love out to others. Um, When we moved down to Florida from from South Carolina, we moved down to Florida, and we did not find a house right away, and so we had to move into a rental house. And it was a very small house, and it was nice for seven people to be packed into a very small house. We had the garage filled with all of our boxes, because I thought, well, we'll just have to put stuff in to storage. And Dave said, oh no, I need everything in those boxes. So we had to keep it in the garage and go in and dig it out and things like that and bring it back and all the rest of that. So we're in that uh, going back and forth. But while we're doing that, back here, Brother Stoudemire sold our house. And so we got this very unusual thing, a very large check from the sale of a house. And because Day and I thought we could buy a house at any time, we didn't want to put that money somewhere we couldn't get to it, so we put it in our bank account. And, and, and we were living like the Beverly Hillbillies. You know, those, that, that bank statement would come in, I'd look at all those zeros and go, wow, you know, an amazing thing. You ask my children, say, describe your father. I'm sure there are a number of different words that would come up, but one of the things that would come up would be cheap. Cheap. They would say he tries to save money here and here. And, and I am not known necessarily as giving away lots of money. But can I tell you something? Those first few months in Florida, it was pretty easy. Because I had fooled myself into thinking that we had a ton of money. Just look at the bank account, man. It's got all of these figures. Now, there's no warning showing up on our phone saying you're close to your... Uh, you know, bouncing checks or anything like that. There's just this huge wad, and there were kids that were going to go back to college. We can't go back to college because we don't have enough money to pay for that. Oh, we'll pay for that. Oh, we'll we'll buy you a, a, a plane ticket to go see your your family. On the I mean, we just we were spending money like we had it. Do you know why? Because we had it. You say so. What happened when you bought a house? We quit giving. <laughs> no. But it was, it, was, it was so easy, just we would hear and we would be excited and I would go today and say, well, yeah, yeah, we can do that. And the reality is, is that I am, we're not talking tonight about you trying to somehow produce something to be able to show to somebody else. No, 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 it is something that you are supposed to realize you have an absolute treasure trove of love to pass out. You don't have to see the world, they love people that love them. That's easy to do. We've got so much love. We can love our neighbors. And we've got so much love, not only can we love our neighbors, God can confidently look at us and say, you know what? Don't just love your neighbors. Don't just love your friends. Love your enemies. That's weird. You hear that in church enough, you're like, yep, love your enemies. And you knew where I was going. But God said, listen, you you can do it. You've got enough love, you can love people that hate you. And you can just keep loving them. Just keep loving them. And so the first thing that we have to do is we have to, we have to understand the love that we have from God. But then we need to understand what love is. You're there in 1 Corinthians 13. How many of you have ever heard somebody describe to you that says when the, word, when the Bible uses the word agape, it's talking about a special kind of love? Has anybody ever heard that? I've heard that a couple times. Am I the only one? Okay, there's a few hands that shot up. Do you know that that's... That's only true because of 1 Corinthians 13. Before 1 Corinthians 13, that word agape was used for a type of love that was not self-sacrificial. Okay, If you know the story of Tamar and Amnon, Amnon loved Tamar. Agape. That is what the Septuagint Translated that word into for them to understand that Amnon wanted to marry Tamar, but Paul, as he was writing this letter to the church at Corinth, you guys remember we just studied this. How many things we're wrong with the church of Corinth? He stopped and said, "You know what? You know what's a key. You know what's important. You need to have love." And he described it. He says, "Pastor, over there, we just went through this just a couple of months ago." I know it. And this is something that we need to be reminded of over and over. And we're going to look, just really quickly, we're going to look at the qualities. This is what real love looks like. Some of you say, well, I know what real love looks like because I have this relationship or this relationship. No, no. What Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 13 is what real love looks like. And the thing is is that we see this. So what are we supposed to do tonight? Well, look at this list and look at your relationships. Look at your job, your neighbor, your family, your spouse, your kids, your grandkids, the different folks that you work with. Say, okay, where in this area do I fall short? How do I need to start imitating Christ in this area and start spending his love? Because when you do that, it will look like this. So let's have a word of prayer and then we'll go through it. And some of you may have already written some things down last time we went through. we'll listen carefully to see if there's anything that you missed last time. And those of you that didn't write anything down, let me encourage you to write it down. Because I know there are some folks who are saying, hey, I know what love is. No, the Holy Spirit does. And he's about to tell us from 1 Corinthians 13. So let's listen carefully. So let's have a word of prayer and we'll jump right in. Lord, bless this time. Uh, Lord, encourage us, strengthen us. Lord, I ask that you would help us to realize, Lord, what it is that we have the opportunity to do. Lord, to love the love that nobody else knows. Or this is not just some polished version uh, of what the world talks about. Or this is completely different. So I ask that you would show us and teach us and encourage us, Lord, with who you are, so that we can show that to those that we know. Thank you. We love you. In the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. Um, we're going to uh, go. Right on down, we're going to skip the first couple of verses, but Paul just uses those first couple of verses in hyperbole, saying, listen, if you don't love correctly, all the rest of this stuff is useless. Having your doctrine right, having your faith nailed down, having the willingness to sacrifice yourself as a martyr, doesn't matter if you don't love. And this is what the love that I'm talking about, Paul talks about. This is the love. Okay, and we're going to start in verse four. Charity suffers long. This is the ability to be mistreated or taken advantage of and not be upset or angry. This is the ability to be mistreated or taken advantage of. Now, here's the thing. You say, Pastor, what do I have to do to be mistreated or take advantage of? Live. That's it. Your spouse will mistreat you. Your children will mistreat you. Your neighbors will mistreat you. People in traffic will mistreat you. People at McDonald's will mistreat you. There's plenty of people everywhere willing to mistreat you for a lot of different reasons. And and the thing is, is that what I was amazed is different times that because of the relationship, I would think, well, I don't have to be loving in this situation. You know, when people absolutely break the laws of God and man, it gives you a right to say, well, I don't have to be loving to them, right? 12 items in the 10 item express lane. You're breaking the law of express. You can't be in this lane. You're, you're just getting here because it's short. No, no, you still have to treat kindly. How about the people that fuss at you for, for no reason? I'm not always dressed up when I go places, but it's, it's amazing to me. I've even been in stores. I was in Lowe's with a Grace Baptist Church shirt on. And somebody came up and started yelling at me for the way that I had Lowe's laid out. And it took me off guard. And I thought, does this logo look that much like Lowe's logo that they thought and, and at first I wanted to get you know say hey I'll get right on it wait right here and I'll be right back and then go out in my car and just drive off that's what he used to do stuff like that or say you know what and you could talk to our manager he's over in aisle 14 he's wearing something and I would just look for his shirt and just mess with him and they'd say you know that, that's not very loving I go no no but it's funny <laughs> and if it's not loving at least be funny I don't know Lo- loving loving says you know what I can be mistreated without it spilling out. And you've heard all of the illustrations. Folks, if anger comes out of you, why does it come out of you? Because it's in you. It's not the stuff you put in. It's the stuff that flies out. So don't say, oh, you make me so angry. No, they just revealed. And, and it's, it's so important that you realize you may be able to plan this and plan this and plan that. But if, if you've got, well, I just can't plan this. This always gets me. That's because it's in there. And, and love Flushes that out. Listen to this, Luke 23. When they were come to the place which is called Calvary, they, there they crucified him, and the male factors were on the right hand, the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. After hours of mistreatment, after hours of illegal testimony and illegal trial, Jesus Christ said, Forgive them. Because he loves. He loves. Okay, so charity suffers long, and the response to the suffering is the next phrase. Charity suffers long and is kind. This is the response that means it it, it creates no trouble and is useful. Kindness is usefulness. Kindness is not just smiling and going, well, bless your heart. That's not kindness. Kindness is actually being of benefit to that person. it's, It's taking the opportunity to actually input and impact their life positively jesus christ in the sermon on the mount said whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile go with him twain give to him that asketh thee and for him that would borrow of thee turn not thou away people who take advantage there are some folks that say you know pastor go forth there has to come a time if people are unkind to you or you just have to cut people off you just have to no understand that's not what christianity is if there was a time that you just got cut off because you did something wrong, all of us would be in deep, deep trouble. Do you understand that? If there was a time, if God said literally 70 times seven, then you're done, most of us would have been thrown out of Christianity somewhere in second to third grade. If we were good people, I probably would have graduated in kindergarten. The reality is we we, we, we don't draw a line and say, well, I've been kind enough. That's done. No, no, because you have an un, unbelievable store of love to be able to spend. So you suffer long and you spend that kindness. The next one, charity envieth not. Charity envieth not. This is not being grieved or upset because another person possesses a greater portion of anything. Earthly, intellectual, Spiritual blessings. That's hard to do, is it not? Charity envies not. You say, well, I would never envy. Boy, I I sometimes do. I struggle. I I, I look at different things, and I I see different skills that different people have, and I think, man. Do you know know who I envy As I... Now that I'm a preacher, a strange thing happened to me. Some of you that have gone to Grace for a long time, you remember when I used to sing bass. Some of you that don't remember those times, you you weren't here. But before I lived in an estrogen factory for 20-something years, I sang bass. I had a low voice. I talked lower. I sang lower. And now I can sing with the altos. And I see a guy that comes up and I say, hey, how are you? And he goes, fine. And it just echoes out of his chest and I go... My, my wife and daughter were trying to punish me, and they've made me watch some uh, episodes of Downton. And I'm telling you, when that Carson guy walks up and says, my Lord, and he's got that, I'm like, oh, he needs to be a Baptist preacher. Man. Because I envy physical ability. Sometimes some of us envy different things. I remember when I was young, I didn't envy a Mustang, but somebody would drive by in a brand new conversion van. And I'd be like, oh, look at that captain's chairs all the way back no fights in any seat and I would start envying but charity doesn't envy charity doesn't look and say you know what I wish I was that way and I want you to think of somebody now Jesus is the best picture of not envying but Jesus being who he is it's hard for us to picture him even though he did limit himself becoming human but I want you to think of Andrew you know who Andrew was Twelve times, he's list, I think it's twelve times, twelve times he's listed in Scripture. And most of the time he is listed as Peter's brother, Simon Peter's brother. He was a disciple just like all the rest of them. And Andrew, man, Andrew was the one that was always going out and getting people and bringing them to Christ. Andrew was a workhorse as a disciple, but he wasn't in the select three. James and John, those two brothers, they got to be in there. And Peter, but Andrew didn't get to go up up on the mount. And Andrew also had to suffer being Peter's little brother. (laughs) Because Peter always did stuff, sticking his foot in his mouth and jumping out of the boat and sinking and screaming and all that stuff. And the cock crowing. That was Andrew. And you never see Andrew getting upset or getting bitter or getting angry with Simon Peter. Charity doesn't envy Verse 4, charity vaunteth not itself. doesn't desire to be noticed or applauded. Real love does not need a pat on the back from folks. Real love serves God because it loves God. Not because it needs a thank you note or needs, needs a building named after it or needs recognition or needs, hey, this person was this idea and this person's was this idea. You know what, this morning I had a pretty fun time picking on Brother Josh, but I stole Brother Dave's joke. His Brother Smith that, that this kind of chuckled. He said it, and I said, you know what? I'm going to steal that and use it in front of hundreds of people and make them think I'm funny. And I came right over, and I said it, and a lot of people laughed. And I didn't even say, and that's thanks to Dave Smith. I didn't even look at him. I just said, I delivered it better than he would have anyway. <laughs> but the reality is, true love doesn't say, hey, I, I should get recognition for that. Do you know who I am? Never comes out of a Christian who has the love of Christ. Charity vaunteth not itself. Example for this, I want to remind you of Joseph. They said unto him, we have dreamed a dream and there is no interpreter of it. And Joseph said unto them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me then, I pray you. Somebody says, wow, I really appreciate this. Wow, you're really good at this. Boy, you you ought to deflect right to the Lord and say, boy, praise the Lord, God's good. Because you're not special. That's not the reason why you happen to be on the positive side of God's blessing because you were part of what he was doing to be in that person's life. But realize something, God would have blessed them had you not been there. And he gave you the opportunity to be a part of that. So praise him and be thankful. Don't throw your shoulder out patting yourself on the back. Charity does not vaunt itself. Number five, it's not puffed up. It's not inflated with its own sense of importance. Jesus Christ said in John 6, I came not to do my own will. I'm not here to do what I want to do, but the will of him that sent me. Jesus Christ did not try to in any way usurp the authority of the Father. He said, I am here because of what God wants. And I will tell you, sometimes I I will get irritated. I'll never forget we went out one time. They asked Day and her sisters to sing out at West Coast, and the Kelly sisters were going to sing at the, at uh, some well, I forget what it was, uh, leadership conference. And they're coming out and says, "We've got uh, seats saved for you on the front row." So I went to go s- uh, sit uh, there, and then they said, "No, no, the Kelly sister here. Uh, you have to sit." And then they saved room for the Kelly sisters. You may not know this, I am not a Kelly sister, but I thought, "Hey, I'm married to a Kelly sister. I should be able to go and sit with them." I mean, that's just right, right? So I'm sitting up front, and I'm, you know, I'm I'm proud. My wife's up there singing. She's going to get up there and. And then this short little fella comes out and uh, he looks at me sitting in the seat and he said they told me that this was my seat and I said well you know and I but I thought in my head you don't understand who you're talking to I know you you're not married to a Kelly sister I'm married to a Kelly sister they're gonna be singing tonight and so I scooted over and I gave him a solid two to three inches to sit down on that on that pew I said go ahead and sit down here." And he, he wedged in there and we sat there and Went through it, and the pastor chapel got up and said, and I'd like to thank the Lord for it. And he was some 56-year missionary who had started like 78 churches, two Bible colleges. He stood up next to me, and they all started clapping. And I thought, yeah. Yeah, this was his seat. But initially, I thought, (laughs) and it wasn't even because of anything I did. I'm just trying to ride on my wife's coattails. Which is honestly what I've been doing most of my ministry life, amen? But anyway, we'll get past that. But the reality is, is that we don't, we don't walk around saying, hey, do you understand how long I've been teaching? Do you, do you realize how long I've been in the choir? Do you understand how long I've been passing the plate on this aisle? Do you realize how long I've been watching? Do you realize what? Mm-hmm. It's not this, this, this importance. It's God's enabled me, given me the opportunity to be in a place where he's used me to accomplish his will. And praise the Lord for it, not vaunted, not puffed up. Number six, doth not behave itself unseemly. This is plain and simple, very easy to understand, realizes the situation, and does not behave unseemly. Unseemly means rude. It means you don't force your manners or your customs or your ideas. You don't behave improperly. It's, it's, again, that love coming out and saying, hey, you're more important. I don't want to act in a way that's going to make you uncomfortable. I'm going to make sure that I am not acting unseemly. Number seven, seeks not her own. is not desirous of own welfare. Seeks not their own. Always desire, looking for how you can help somebody else. Jesus Christ said, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered to, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. You cannot find a time when Jesus Christ put his foot down and said, okay, it's, about, it's, it's me time now. It was always about the Father. It was always about serving the disciples. It was always about teaching. It was always about instructing. Jesus said, listen, I'm not here to get my own. Uh, number eight, is not easily provoked. This means it's not irritated. It's not, it's not sour or bitter. There's no hair triggers. Do you have a hair trigger? you know what a hair trigger is? That trigger, that word trigger is used a lot now. Careful, this video has some triggers, okay? But th- th- that's, I'm not talking about those kind. I'm talking about the triggers that are different things that, that will make you angry. Different things that will just, like you say, I've got a lot of patients except in this particular arena or this particular arena. One of the things I always used to do, there, some folks would come and say, hey, I think I want to be a youth leader. I'd like to, you know, participate, be in, uh, you know, get involved in the youth. Because we, we went on a missions trip every year. We did lots of different things. I would always take them on a junior high activity. Because junior high activities really quickly revealed if people truly love teenagers. Because if you can love junior high, you can love any teenager if you're in junior high and you're offended by that, just because you're in junior high. Don't worry. Okay? But we go on a junior high camp out or a junior high ski trip or something like that because it's just the junior hires. they are a wonderful, wonderful animal. It is just an amazing thing. But if you're not called to that, it's really quickly going to reveal, you know what? I can't take this. Do you realize they did this, this, and this? And I can't tell you how many times an adult would come to me and say, do you know so-and-so did? And when they did, with, I, I started laughing. Because what they did was, was pretty good, it was pretty funny, but wasn't necessarily appreciated. You know what, some of us say, well I get along with it, it's just this person or this person. Now look at it. It's not the people that you like, it's the least of these. It's not the people that you know that you are beholden to, it is the people that you think you owe nothing, those are the folks that show us the true amount of our love. That's where it comes out. Matthew 25, Jesus Christ said, I was miserable, poor, blind, naked, in prison. You took care of me. And the Christian said, We've never seen you in prison or naked, never gave you water. And he goes, Yeah, you did because these people who are the least, you did it for them. See, it's not how you treat your pastor, it's how you treat the person that steals your pew. It's how the person who takes your parking lot spot gets treated the person who never sends you a thank you note for the christmas card that you sent him how you treat them that's the real love that comes out so it's not easily provoked um in matthew chapter 27 the bible says the thieves which are crucified with him cast the same in his teeth that is a that's a case of the king james rarely does it does it use common current phrases and put them in the bible but in this case it did There is no cast the same in his teeth. They basically said that the crowd was saying, hey, if you're the son of God, save yourself. And they said, yeah. They didn't actually throw anything in Jesus' teeth. That was a phrase from 500 years ago. But they basically said the same thing to him. And what did one of the thieves say to him a couple of hours later? Remember me. And how did Jesus respond? Oh, now. Now you're interested, huh, bub? It's not what he did. What did he do? Said, today. Today you'll be with me. Because Jesus absolutely was not easily provoked. Number nine, thinketh no evil. The best way, I think, for me to understand this is to assume the best. So somebody has stolen your parking spot. Assume the best. What's the absolute best reason that somebody's in your parking? I mean, you've parked there since 1962. Everybody knows it's your spot, and you come there and it's filled. What's the best reason it could be filled? A person walks past you and doesn't say hello. What's the best reason? Don't raise your hand, but how many of you have walked by somebody and said, Hey, how are you? And they didn't even respond to you? And have you ever thought, Well, what crawled in them and died? Okay, well, I'm done talking to you then until the millennium. And who knows what could have gone on? There's one time. There's a dear lady in our church whose son struggled, battled with cancer, and she went up to be with him. And another lady in our church had a son who was struggling with a different disease, and she went to be with that son during this time. And they both came back to church at the same time. I saw them greet each other in the lobby. The one had no idea what the other one had gone through. And the one was standing there having just lost her adult son. And she was broken and she was hurting. And another one looked at her across the lobby and said, hey, how are you? What's your problem? And I thought, "Mm." Uh uh-oh. And this lady very lovingly walked over and grabbed the other lady by the hand and said, you might not have heard. But she named her son, went home to be with the Lord and I'm struggling a little bit. She could have gotten upset. She could have thrown a hymn book at her, and everybody in the church probably would have said, Amen. That was kind of rude to ask a mom who just lost their kid, what's their problem? Would you agree that's a little insensitive? Maybe. But she didn't assume insensitivity. She assumed lack of knowledge. She assumed the best. And, and, and she ministered to that. That's difficult to do. But thinking no evil doesn't suppose. Listen, so often we'll get worked up because we assume that we know motives. You say, I never do that. If you're married, you do that all the time. Why did they leave this open? Why did they leave that light on? Why did they leave the seat forward in the car? Why didn't they put gas in the car? Why didn't they do this? Why didn't they? And the initial thought that jumps into your mind is, because they love me so much. No, we think evil thoughts. But real love doesn't think evil. Number 10 and number 11 fit together. Don't rejoice in iniquity, but rejoice in the truth. Sin doesn't bring joy. Truth brings joy. The more something agrees with God's word, the more enjoyable it is. It's very difficult. Some people don't realize this is a battle for love because our culture is battling us to try to be entertained by sin and be entertained by wicked stuff. But the more that you love the way God loves, the more that you love truth and the things that agree with God's word. And the things that are not agreeing with God's word you don't, you don't find is something that is actually enjoyable to you. And here's the thing, I am not telling you to walk out of here and say, okay, I can't be entertained by sin. No, but I would check your heart because if something sinful actually makes you laugh and gives you joy, that's an indication of an idol that's really needing to be rooted out. And you've got to take a step back and look at that. It doesn't rejoice in iniquity, it rejoices in the truth. What Paul said in Philippians, finally Whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely. Paul said these are the things that we think on. These are the things that that give us joy, that we rejoice in. And then this last verse, and we'll be done, bears, believes, hopes, endures. A lot of people misunderstand what this is, but this is a downward progression. This, this answers the question. When somebody comes and says, Pastor Goforth, how many times can somebody misuse me? And I still, this is the answer. You bear, believe, hope, endure. Now bearing, when love bears something, bear means to cover or to help. And by covering, it's not that you are trying to keep sin covered so the person can keep sinning, but you are trying to keep the sin covered so that it does not grow and get worse you're trying to help. It's kind of like the, if you have a child, a young child who has missed their nap and you have to go in and see grandma and grandpa or maybe it's after a long trip and you're getting ready to grow in and you sit down and you say, okay, I know you're tired, I know you, but we're gonna go in and we just have to give grandpa a hug and we, have to, and we have to do this and you try to set them up for success when you go in the house and you're looking at it and say, you can do this, that's bearing. You don't just send your tired kid in there and go, well, I might as well get ready to start giving that punishment out now because he ain't gonna make it through this. No, you, you prime the pump for them to do well. They bear. And believe is the honest belief and in the, in the, the idea that, okay, I'm going to keep believing the best. I'm still not going to assume that just because in the last five times I've interacted with them, they've actually done it to hurt me, this sixth time I'm still going to believe. I'm going to bear and I'm going to try to help them get through it. But when something happens, I'm still not going to think evil. Bears, believes. What is hope? Well, hope is when that person says, oh, no, I did this to hurt you. I don't like you or your family. I'm going to destroy you. We're at war. And hope says, okay, it won't always be like this. Because the Holy Spirit's going to do a work. And then you say, well, what's the next step? This is the step that nobody likes. This is not the step where you go, oh, praise the Lord, I get this tingly all over my spine. Endure's endures and you put up with it you say why in the world would you do that is that not what your savior does is that not how he works with you every time he bears believes he hopes endures bears up this is what what one preacher this is not mine i don't have it written what preacher i stole it from but this is what he said it bears under all persecution and all maltreatment from open enemies as well as professed friends It bears adversities with an even mind. It submits with perfect resignation to every dispensation of the providence of God. Listen to that. It submits with perfect resignation to every dispensation of the providence of God. You know what that means? Let's just say you're in Walmart and you pick up something off the aisle and it happens to be the last thing and somebody comes in and just screams at you. You say, what did I do to deserve that? No, perfect resignation to the dispensation of the providence of God says, well, all right, God's in control. He's put me in this situation. What am I supposed to do? Oh yeah, I'm supposed to love. That's not the flesh that's gonna jump out. That's you taking Christ's love and say, wow, I'm being mistreated, but I'm gonna accept. It's not just loving when somebody says, hey, I like you, I wanna give you $100. Oh, well, I love you. No, that's not it. So when somebody does something that mistreats and you respond with that love and never says of any trial, affliction, or insult that it cannot be endured. Here's a a different way of saying it. Real love never puts its foot down and says no longer. Why? That's what your Savior does. We have been doing things that have been an affront to him that we have not even realized yet are an affront to him. Because we're still working on other things. Paul, in the book of Romans, says, man, the things I want to do, I don't end up doing. The things I don't want to do, I end up doing. Paul is saying, I am struggling with this sinful nature. And he had been writing Bible books for years and planning churches. And the closer he got to God, the more he realized how sinful his flesh was. And we respond in love. And this is something I would encourage you as you look through this. If you, if you sat here and you listened to all this and said, hey, that is me. Then please talk to a friend. That, you can, that, that will tell you the truth and say, hey, I'm the perfect picture of love, right? That will look at you and go, well, do you have the notes? Can we look at those together? Be willing to sit down with your spouse. Be willing to sit down with your children. Be willing to ask, hey, do I show this? Do I show this? Are there areas, when we talked about the least of these, or we talked about those hair triggers, was there something that came in that popped into your mind that said, oh, that's a hair trigger. Oh, well, that's a hair trigger. Oh, well, there's that. And maybe you've progressed to the point that the only hair trigger in your life involves the DMV, everything else you're good with. Well, then you still have to work on the DMV. Don't say, well, I, I have a right to be sinful against them because that is the seventh circle of Hades, is the DMV. So I'm, I'm okay with that. No, no, no. Don't make excuses. Just say, okay, God, help. And let's reflect and show the love that we get to spend lavishly. Lavishly. And I would encourage you to do that. Let's stand to our feet. We'll have a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to learn again from your Lord. Lord, I know this was a review. I know this was a reminder. Lord, it's something that I need to be reminded of often. Lord, help me to show this kind of love. Lord, often I am satisfied with simply not being at odds with my neighbors. Lord, I wonder if I've actually shown them your love. Lord, I wonder if I have done that which is a good representative of the love wherewith we're loved. Lord, help us to enjoy how you love us and then enjoy being the dispensers of that love. Lord, I ask that you'd guide us as we go into our different roles in life. whether we would seek to understand your will so that we can be on the positive side of that and be a part of you accomplishing, Lord, your great scheme for redemption here on this earth. Lord, give us a soul to pray for, to witness to, to love on. Give us a life to disciple, to encourage, Lord, help us to live in light of eternity and make a difference through your Holy Spirit. In the name of Christ, amen. Amen. Thank you. Love you. Thanks for coming to church. I'll see you Wednesday.